Hi, I'm Tammy Hicks-Jackson. Welcome to my podcast. I am a Christian pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and this podcast covers a variety of topics. You may find anything from Bible study and devotions to yoga and meditation from a Christian perspective to my thoughts on Christian leadership and the church. Look for the descriptions and the tags for each episode to find what you're interested in. And thanks for taking this journey with me. Let's jump into this episode. Now we begin our journey through 1 Samuel. 1 and 2 Samuel were once one single book, and it was written to explain the rise of the monarchy, to take us from having judges who were leading Israel to talking about why and how they arrived at the point where they finally asked God to give them a king. There are two other issues that are raised many times in this book and that it deals with, and that is the legitimate nature of worship and the legitimate location for worship. In chapter one, we begin with Samuel's birth. Um, Elkanah is a prominent man, which we can gather by the long genealogy. His wife, Hannah, whose name means grace or favor, is another barren woman in the biblical story. We know that women of this age were um, valued based on their ability to give their husbands children. But once Elkanah dies, Hannah's survival would be dependent on her offspring. So she longs to have a child. In verse 3, we have the first occurrence of the phrase, Lord of hosts. That's a very common way to talk about God in the prophetic books of the Bible. Verse 9 has what we call an anachronism. It mentions the word tabernacle, but the ta- or the temple, but the temple has not yet been built. They are still using the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. In verse 15, it references a strong drink, and this would have been an alcohol that was made from barley, much like beer is made. In chapter 2, we have Hannah's prayer, um, and it may have a connection to Psalm 113 and Jeremiah 15.9 as she quotes pieces of scripture in her prayer. Samuel's name means God heard. And when he is old enough, um, when he is weaned, he is taken to the temple um, to live and serve the Lord there. And this would have been when he's around three years of age, probably between three and six. A lot of ancient sources say children continue to nurse until they were around three. That's still very early for him to go away from home. Um, weaning can also refer to becoming independent enough to function on your own. Verse 10, the second part of it is probably inserted later because there is not yet a king. Um, We also have reference to women who are serving in the tent of meeting. And this goes back to Exodus 38.8, where they are also mentioned. They helped to make things function and work. They weren't eligible to be priests. And even using the word assisting is probably too strong. But they helped with things like cleaning, um, supplying water to the different areas, washing and repairing the priest garments, um, cleaning up the utensils in there. And we are told that Eli's sons are sleeping with these women who, according to Numbers 31, are supposed to be young women and virgins. In chapter 3, we have what I think is a very sad verse. The second half says, The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. So in other words, they have they don't have a strong connection to God. They don't hear God speaking regularly. Eli is the high priest, 
And he has a spiritual blindness as well as a physical blindness. Samuel does not yet have a personal experience with God at the point that he hears God calling him. We could really compare chapter 3, verse 11 with 2 Kings 21, 12 and Jeremiah 19, 2 as people hear God calling them. Um, Samuel was young when this happened. Um, he's going to grow up to be a prophet and not a priest because he is serving in the temple, but he's not of the right tribe. As we move into chapter 4, we are moving from focusing on Samuel to focusing on the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God. The Ark is captured by the Philistines there, and it's going to cause some um, great havoc in the places where it is. Verse 3 of this chapter calls the Ark a footstool. Ancient kings often stored treaties in their footstools as a way to remind themselves of their duties and uh, and to remind a king's subjects of his authority. Um, so it's one of the ways that it is referring to the Ark of the Covenant here, but it was kept in the holy place inside the tabernacle. Eli's sons are killed in conflict and the ark is taken in this battle. The interesting thing is they didn't ask God if they should have taken the ark into battle. They met, It was their own idea. They're trying to do something that sounds good, but it isn't necessarily everything that sounds good is not God's idea for us. Um, this news is so distressing to Eli, who is 98 years old, that when he hears the news, um, he dies. Phineas's wife um, is giving birth, and notice the order of her concern when they hear. She is concerned first about God, then about Eli, and finally about her husband. In chapter 5, we see that the Philistines do have some quite distressing luck while the ark is in their possession. Um, the ark of the covenant being present eventually beheads their god, or their idol called Dagon, um, who was an agricultural deity. And when it says, to this day, it indicates that this story is written a long time after the events. So in other words, the author is narrating a story that happened a long time ago, but it it is still true. Um, You can see Isaiah 45, Philippians 2.10, and Romans 14.11 for more about this. Um, It says that they have tumors in the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Um, It says the tumors are in their groin. The King James Version tends to translate this as hemorrhoids. And they also have a plague that is caused by rats. Um, That is mentioned in the Septuagint, but not in the Hebrew text. So it's likely that perhaps they are suffering from bubonic plague that the rats bring, and their stomachs are so upset that everyone is developing really painfulness. Um, In chapter 6, we see that they're going to return the ark, and they're going to not only return the ark, but they're going to include five gold tumors or five gold hemorrhoids and five gold mice um, as signs of what was afflicting them. Milch cows are simply domesticated milk cows. And this has to be God directing the ark to come back home because the journey 
is an uphill journey. It's a vertical rise of 500 feet for an unmanned cart with a domesticated milk cow or cows pulling it to pull this heavy arc with these five gold tumors and rats um, uphill would be virtually a miracle. In chapter 6, verse 19, the Hebrew uh, version says that the Lord killed 70 men at Beth Shemesh because they looked into the ark. Um, So when the ark rolls up in somebody's yard, they go out to see what it is and they open it up. They don't immediately recognize that this is their holy object. Um, They open it like they would a box that arrived in the mail today. But Beth Shemesh doesn't waste any time giving it up. They don't want to keep it. So they send it to Eliezer, who ends up taking care of it for about 20 years. In chapter 7, the ark is going to cease to be the focus of the story. So first we focused on Samuel, then we focused on the ark, and now we're going to change focus again. There, um, Astarte is the consort of Baal. So it's the female um, wife of the god, the pagan god, Baal. Samuel, as I said earlier, is a prophet. He's not a priest, but here he's also called a judge. So there's a connection between social justice and faith. In chapter 8, Israel is going to demand a king. Um, Samuel's children do not follow in their father any more than Eli's children followed in his. Um, We cannot inherit a call. It's just a job. We can inherit a job. We can inherit a business, but we cannot inherit a call from God. Samuel's sons are taking bribes rather than meeting out good justice. And I think this is very hard for Samuel. He holds out hope that his children would do better. Um, But Samuel warns them very sternly in verses 10 through 18 of what having a king is eventually going to look like, but they are so sure that this is what they want. That takes us through the book of 1 Samuel, chapters 1 through 8.